This is the St Edward's Crown. It's been placed on the heads of kings and queens as they are coronated for more than 300 years. But as monarchs from King Charles II to Queen Elizabeth II wore this crown, they were wearing the legacy of slavery. That crown was made in 1661, almost a century after the royal family started licensing armed British men to travel to West Africa to claim people as property, getting rich by selling them into slavery. The royal family helped create, fund and expand Britain's massive slave economy, enslaving six million Africans. The royals even fought against abolition. And they've been silent about it for 400 years. Britain colonised territory on four continents to steal their wealth, all in the name of the royal family. The British monarchy is super rich, and Britain itself became a wealthy country in large part because it exploited the people of the global south. And descendants of those who were enslaved or colonised are still paying the price. Respect us, man. Apologise now. But there's more. Monarchy and slavery have more in common than just money. The British royals, not just materially, also ideologically, they sit on a throne that is justified in the very same way that slavery is justified. So if you're born to be a king and born to be a subject, they also told us at one time you were born to be a master and you were born to be a slave. The British royal family and the UK itself are built on slavery and colonial theft. And they've spent centuries trying to hide that history. But it's hidden in plain sight. You just have to know where to look. This monarch will not exist, cannot exist without what is done in the monarch's name, without the plunder from the wars that are waged for the monarch and for the throne. The monarch cannot exist, cannot exist in wealth, cannot wear the diamonds dripping literally in blood money, cannot ride in golden carriages. All of that cannot exist without what is done, the daily dirty work that's done to prop up the monarchs. The British monarchy is so deeply entwined with the slave trade that their involvement can be traced right back to the very first recorded English slave ship. In the 16th century, a man named John Hawkins sailed to Sierra Leone, violently captured 300 Africans, forced them onto his ship and then sailed to Spanish plantations in the Americas to sell these human beings. His voyage was so successful that his patron, Queen Elizabeth I, not only paid for more of his slave missions, but gave him ships and weapons. Why weapons? Well, it's estimated that for every person that armed British men enslaved on that trip to Sierra Leone, Hawkins' militia would have killed three more. But selling Africans into slavery on Spanish plantations wasn't enough for the slave traders and their royal patrons. They realised they could make a lot more money if only they could own their own plantations. So in 1607, 104 English men and boys arrived in a land that they named after the Virgin Queen, Queen Elizabeth I. They called it Virginia. And they named one of their first settlements Jamestown, after King James I. Then they set about violently displacing the indigenous people living on that land, 
to create plantations that they would farm with enslaved Africans. And that was just the beginning of Britain's colonial expansion across the globe. You know that crown from the coronation, the centrepiece of today's monarchy? Well, in 1660, one year before the crown was made, the future King James II founded the Royal African Company, which kidnapped and enslaved at least 187,000 Africans between 1672 and 1731. Britain's slavery economy worked like this. British ships sailed from London, Liverpool and other ports to West Africa carrying cloth, guns, copper and glass. They traded those for enslaved Africans and transported them across the Atlantic. In North America and the Caribbean, they sold them to work on the plantations, on land colonised and named after the king and queen. And in return, the slave traders received the produce from the plantations – sugar, rum, tobacco, coffee – which they brought back to England. This was known as the triangular trade, and at each stage there was theft. The theft of land to create the plantations, the theft of human life from Africa, and the theft of goods from the Caribbean and Britain's North American colonies. That theft funded Britain's Industrial Revolution and made it one of the richest countries on earth. The slave trade and the expansion of African slavery in the Americas allowed for the creation of these plantation economies that gave birth to modern capitalism, that gave birth to slave trading companies, to the insurance industry, to you know uh, port cities like Bristol and Liverpool becoming really significant um, on a global scale and employing thousands of people. But slavery was just the first part of the story of how the royals exploited the people of the global south. So they are not only benefiting in really basic terms in the sense that they are you know, investing their personal wealth in slave trading companies like the Royal African Company, but in many ways that is minor compared to the fact that they are investing in a trade that is helping them expand the reach of the British Empire. Yes, the royals and other elites were using their profits from slavery to build an empire. From the late 1700s, they invested it in colonial adventures, sending private armies around the world to take control of resource-rich lands and the people who lived in them. The exploitation was now on a global scale, but the modern-day royals still wouldn't acknowledge it. Until something was discovered in April 2023. Take a look at this document. This is the first time we've seen proof that the royals profited from slavery. It shows a transaction between a notorious British slave trader and the royal family in 1689. After The Guardian presented that evidence to the royal family, Britain's King Charles III finally agreed to support research into his family's links with slavery. It's the closest the royals have ever come to admitting how they profited from slavery. That one document is the tip of the iceberg. Brooke Newman is the academic who discovered the document. There are hundreds and hundreds of archival documents demonstrating links between the British monarchy and members of the royal family and the transatlantic slave trade, the expansion of colonial slavery and the defense 
of colonial slavery, as well as documents that reveal their opposition to the abolition movement. After 400 years, you can't escape the legacy of slavery in England because of the way it seeped into the very identity of this country. This is Trafalgar Square, right in the heart of London. Three of the four corners have spaces for statues that tell the story of how Britain sees itself. Monarchy and empire. The two things just go hand in hand. In one corner is King George IV. In the opposite corner is Major General Sir Henry Havelock, an army leader who brutalised the people of Kanpur after an Indian uprising in 1857. And in the other corner is General Sir Charles James Napier, Governor of the British Empire and the Army Commander of India. In fact, monarchy and empire are everywhere in this country. The Queen is on coins, stamps and banknotes. Politicians swear allegiance to the King. There's a cotton street in East London, a link to the Indian cotton trade that Britain profited from. And over in Plantation Wharf by the riverside, there's an apartment block called Spice Court and another called Ivory Square. All references to the wealth that Britain stole from the countries and people it colonised. But Britain was hiding the atrocities it was committing behind polite words. In the United States, we can directly see the plantations, for example, and the, also the enslaved people. Uh, in Britain, it wasn't necessarily that way. Uh, everything was kind of hidden, uh, or at least placed very far away uh, in the Caribbean. The evidence is everywhere. But for more than 400 years, the royal family has refused to talk about how it made its money from slavery. And that's just part of the reason why many Brits don't realise how much of their privilege is rooted in slavery. Many children growing up in the land that colonised so much of the world are never taught about Britain's brutal past because there are no mandatory classes in British schools on slavery or colonisation. The British are very invested in their reputation as uh, civilised people. Right? The people who supposedly brought law and order, civilization, higher order thinking, education, refinement, if you will, to those uh, whom they enslaved and colonized. So there's also the reputation uh, that the British are very highly invested in, uh, the reputation that came with the fact that they uh, were the ones that spearheaded the abolition of slavery. In fact, Professor Anya believes that Britain's motives for abolition were far from altruistic. The British abolished slavery when slavery no longer worked for them. Britain's brutal history has been masked through generations of deception. But something is changing. In 2021, more than a quarter of a million people signed a petition demanding mandatory lessons in schools on colonialism and slavery. The government said that doing that would risk lowering standards in schools. But there's still a denialism around the British Empire. It's seen as the country's golden age. Twice as many Brits are proud of the British Empire than ashamed of it. But the story is very different in countries that were colonised by Britain. Descendants of formerly colonised and enslaved people know their history 
and many are demanding reparations. And maybe that is the real reason for Britain's 400 years of silence. Finding those receipts means there'll be a massive bill to pay. What could happen if the British government or the king acknowledges that, you know, this history was real, if they issue a formal apology, if there are conversations about reparations, the question then becomes, who is on the hook to pay? Is it British taxpayers? British taxpayers have only just paid off the compensation loan that was taken out 20 million pounds in 1833 by the British government to pay off slaveholders rather than enslaved people. Britain's new king says he wants to move the monarchy into the future. But many people living in the lands that Britain colonized want the monarchy to acknowledge, apologize for, and pay reparations for the horrors of the past. Horrors committed in the name of the royals, which they are still benefiting from.